You're listening to the Hustler Hot Seat Podcast, episode number 19. In this episode, I got to sit down with the beautiful Jillian Perrick, an imposter syndrome coach from Aurelia, Ontario. Jill works full-time as a government worker and has a master's degree in conflict analysis and management. She coaches side hustlers on overcoming imposter syndrome, and to be honest, she's an all-around badass. The amount of energy that Jill has got me so fired up about our chat, and I am so excited that I get to share it with you. So without further ado, meet Jill. You're listening to The Hustler Hot Seat, and I'm your host, Kirsten Perry. I help young entrepreneurs turn their passions into profit-building businesses. From marketing for your niche to partnering with your ideal clients, I'm here to help, and so are some of my fellow entrepreneurs. So grab a coffee, sit back, relax, worry about the hustle later, and let's get to it. Hi, Jill, and welcome to the Hustler Hot Seat. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I personally think that imposter syndrome is something that every single side hustler faces at some point or another, and I'm so excited for you to talk to our audience about it. So with that being said, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us your story? For sure. So my name is Jillian Perrick, and I am an imposter syndrome coach for female entrepreneurs, um, specifically women that work um, full-time jobs and have their businesses on the side, because that's what I do. I'm a full-time government worker, and I started my business after I got my master's degree, um, and I do it on the side because I actually really like my full-time job, but I was just like looking for something more. So I got my master's degree in conflict analysis and management. And I really enjoyed um, learning about conflict and learning how people work and as well as our inner conflict and confidence as well. And that kind of grew into coaching. And um, from there, I realized that I was dealing with imposter syndrome, which is the um, persistent um, internalized fear of being revealed as a fraud. So I started struggling with that in university, actually. So I would tell myself, like, how did you get into this? It must have been a fluke that you got accepted to this program. Like, you only have good grades because the teachers like you look like really dumb stuff that doesn't really make any sense. But it was just how I was feeling because I didn't have any confidence in myself. Um, And then when I transitioned into coaching and really didn't feel like I knew what I was talking about. And when I tried to get clients, I felt like I wasn't being legitimate and people didn't want to buy from me because I wasn't legit enough as a coach. And I was like, like, where are these feelings coming from? And then I realized that it was imposter syndrome. And when I really studied up on it, and because a lot of my schooling is in like, psychology, um, I realized that it was something that really affects female entrepreneurs specifically just because of feeling like people are not going to want your services, not feeling like an, not feeling like the expert, even though you have all this training and all this education, like why do we feel this way? So that's really how I got into it. So I initially was an anxiety and confidence coach, and then I transitioned into doing the imposter syndrome stuff at the beginning of this year. So yeah, so that's how I got into it. 
That's amazing. I just recently started my own business back in August. I'm almost reaching my one year. And that's something that I face quite often, actually, just feeling like I'm never good enough or I don't have enough knowledge and credibility under my belt. And especially moving here to Toronto, it was very different because everybody here is very competitive and they're always trying to prove that they have more education. And there is always going to be somebody that's better at something than you or smarter at something than you. And that's just something you kind of have to work through. Um, So I definitely, I definitely get the whole need for having a coach to kind of guide you through that. And that's something that I've never really had. So I just kind of been winging it. Um, But I think that that's so cool that that's what you do. So can you just maybe go in and explain again what imposter syndrome is and maybe how people can identify if maybe it's something that they have? For sure. So again, imposter syndrome is that persistent internalized fear of being revealed as a fraud. So you feel like someone's going to figure out that you actually don't know what you're talking about. Um, It's being fearful to put yourself out there because you think somebody's going to judge you. You're afraid of rejection or failure. So you don't really take a lot of risks. Um, And that's because we all deal with those insecurities that if somebody were to say them to us, we'd be like, oh my God, and feel that rejection and feel like we had failed. And that's like at the core of dealing with imposter syndrome. So specifically for women who are entrepreneurs, this can be as simple as being unable to go um, on live video because you're afraid that somebody from high school is going to see what you're doing and they're going to be like, oh my God, she's such a loser. What is she doing? And that fear enough will stop you from actually doing it. So it's things like that, um, being afraid to put out a service. Um, So as I'm a coach, I've had times in the past when I was dealing with it, whereas I would have such a great idea for a service or for a program, and I would actually talk myself out of it because I would be thinking of all these ideas, and then I'd be like, okay, but who's going to want this? Who are you serving? Is she really going to want to pay top dollar for it? So there were all these different things, and it's really just that negative internal track in your mind that can really go off course if you don't have a handle on it. So it can really go um, down like a very negative spiral in saying, okay, well, you're not good enough. Nobody's going to want this. And then you end up just not doing what you're planning on doing. So it can actually come about in a number of different ways. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking because as you were explaining that, I was started to think about this Instagram course that I almost launched and I did all the material for it. I put so much work in, I recorded videos and then I never launched it because I was scared that people weren't going to be impressed with my Instagram following. So I was like, if I can't prove that I can grow a following, who's going to pay for a course that's going to teach them how to use Instagram when it's like not reflective in the account that I have for my business. So 
I got in my head and it's now just sitting on my computer. Oh, you not need to being launch it. <laughs> yes. You need to launch it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a prime example of everything you just said and just kind of getting in your own head and putting something off because you're scared. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens a lot. And like you just said, like you might interpret the fact that you don't have a lot of followers, whereas somebody might look at your like engagement on your Instagram and see like, wow, she really knows what she's talking about because she has all these people like engaging and she knows how to write captions and stuff like that. So really it's just us sabotaging ourselves essentially. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. So do you have any tips that you can maybe share with the audience on how they can maybe combat this? For sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really focus on is keeping like an accomplishment journal. So whenever I have something that um, I did well, like if I get a compliment on an episode of my podcast, if I get um, a review from a client, I always write it down in my journal to kind of like celebrate it and actually see it written down. Because um, I find that um, usually people who deal with imposter syndrome, what happens is you put your worth and your like value based on what you can do in the future or any future actions. But you actually have a lot of experience and education and everything behind you that like you just seem to forget about because you think that your worth is only about what you can do in the future. So that's something that's really common with people that deal with imposter syndrome. Um, so I always recommend my clients to keep like an accomplishment journal and anything. It can be big, it can be small, but just to be able to reflect on it because it's also kind of like a gratitude practice as well, because it's also being grateful for the things that you have accomplished. And we all know that uh, gratitude has been had to actually like improve our physical and our mental health. So it's actually um, a really good tool to do that. I also um, really recommend that people kind of depersonalize their rejections or their failures. So how I do this is kind of go through like an objection template. So if you're an entrepreneur and you have an objection to your services, you actually um, kind of go through it and see what, um, how you can look at the situation as neutrally or objective as possible. Because a lot of the time when we experience a rejection or a failure, we personalize it. We think it's something wrong with me. Whereas in reality, a lot of the time people are doing things because they're coming from something that's happening to them and something that is very personal to them. And a lot of the time it has nothing to even do with us. So I try and like depersonalize that situation for my clients. Um, and the same thing too, I always take like, what can you learn from this? Like, it's not necessarily a rejection or a failure. How can we learn from this? Because people that get rejected or when they fail, they do, um, they either try to like ignore it and just move past it and don't learn anything from it, or they harbor on it and they let it affect future actions and future services and really let them like, but really let that affect their 
confidence essentially. So yeah. I, I can definitely say that I have been in that place, especially with forgetting to kind of look back and reflect on how far you've come because that's something that I have to constantly remind myself to do because I yeah. never feel like I'm good enough or that I'm far, far enough along. And then I talk to some of my friends and they're like, Kirsten, just look back for a second and look at everything that you have accomplished. Can you just relax? Maybe take a chill yeah. pill for a minute. <laughs> we don't need to move at the speed of lightning. Just enjoy life. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely get that. We have kind of talked a lot about entrepreneurship, but do you think that imposter syndrome can also manifest itself in people that are in a corporate career? Absolutely. Like I, I currently work in a unit. So in my organization, um, I work in a unit that is all technical and it's all like computer stuff. And when I first got there, I was like, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and it affected so much of what I did. I, I would question everything that I gave to my boss. I would think like somebody's going to realize that I actually don't know what I'm doing and they're going to be like, she shouldn't be in this position. So it can definitely affect everything. Like it doesn't matter where you are in life. Like I also was feeling those feelings when I was a student. So it just, I think it just comes down to like never really believing you're good enough and never really like being fully never really being able to fully recognize your value um, because you're so worried about impressing somebody or making yourself seem smart. And that comes down to like childhood and experiences. So it's some really like deep stuff that we have to work through. I was going to yeah. say, because you do have a, a psychology background you mentioned, and I, I'm sure that there are endless podcast episodes we could record talking about kind of childhood upbringing and how that relates to imposter syndrome Absolutely. and um, basically how you're behaving as an adult and mm -hmm. where that kind of stemmed from. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about mental health and entrepreneurship together mm -hmm. because yeah. imposter syndrome is definitely something that starts in your head and then kind of transitions into every aspect of your life. So do you have any advice on how to take care of your mental health while being an entrepreneur or maybe even just in general? For sure. So um, I realized, so as somebody who works full time and does my coaching on the side, like it's really easy to get burnt out because you're working full time and then you come home and you work on your business. And usually people that pursue entrepreneurship are like super hardcore, like really hard workers and people that will do everything they can to succeed. But then you end up burning out because you don't know how to schedule your time properly. So you just spend all your time working on something and then you're exhausted. So I actually schedule out like free time. And that's something that I found really works for me and actually just scheduling out at the beginning of the week, each thing that I have to do for my coaching staff and scheduling out, but allowing also to schedule time for that free time. So I'll watch an hour of a show before I can go to sleep or I'll really schedule out that free time. So I'm not sitting there feeling crappy that I didn't get anything done because I know that I did get stuff done with a plan. Sometimes I used to just like 
come home and be like, okay, I have to work on my website. And I would spend hours on it because I never mm-hmm. felt that it was complete because I didn't have like a checklist or I didn't feel like I was doing enough. So really just like scheduling out, okay, I'm going to write three Instagrams tonight and I'm going to do this tomorrow. So really scheduling that out has really helped for me. I do think, uh, so there is a podcast episode I recorded, I want to say a couple months ago about batch working. And I think that that kind of plays into it. Um, Just making sure that you're scheduling those blocks of time to really be productive. I know that when I first started my business, I did the exact same thing. I was working a full-time job. I got home and then for eight hours at night, I would just work on the business. And I always felt like I was never really getting anywhere. It was just me working and working and working and working. And I would look back and be like, what did I actually accomplish? Because I was also jumping from task to task. So it was just a big mumbo jumbo of mess. And implementing those blocks of time really helped keep you kind of on track. Oh my gosh. Yes. And like, like you said, you like worked on it for eight hours and you're like, Oh, I did nothing. But it's like, because I find too, in the beginning, you're doing a lot of things that are so menial and like, so like just unnecessary, but you think that it's necessary until you start learning. Like a lot of the things you did, like my website looks a hundred percent different than it did when I opened. And it's like, I've spent so many hours on that website and I just changed it within like a couple of weeks. It's so annoying in the beginning. For sure. Yeah. So I do also kind of want to touch on this whole working full time and having your side hustle thing, because most of the people that I talk to, they have made the transition already from their full-time job to their side hustle. And now they do their side hustle full-time. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned that you love your full-time job. So yeah. maybe talk a little bit about that and how you are completely okay with keeping your side hustle a side hustle and, and that kind of thing. For sure. So I think in the future, I would like to take my coaching full-time. But at this time in my life, like I really enjoy the social aspect and like the using different areas of my brain as well with coaching. It's very like oriented towards people. Um, and a lot of the stuff with regards to like feelings and subconscious thought and like a lot of stuff when it comes to dealing with people, whereas at my full-time job, it's very technical. Um, and there's always new stuff to learn. Not that there's not new stuff to learn with coaching, but I find that it challenges me in a different way and it's supporting me right now obviously like I'm full-time I've got benefits like there's 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 really good things that are attached to it and I'm a routine girl like I really thrive on a routine um and I feel really out of sorts when I don't have one again not that you can't have one if you take your business full-time but just for me personally like I enjoy getting up at the same time and having like a routine um, and just doing things that are different every day. Um, Cause in the organization that I work in um, there's always room for growth and there's always different units that you can go into. So it's really exciting to be able to think, okay, I'm not going to be in the same position for a year or even two years or whatever. You can always move to different places and do different things. So for me, I think that's really exciting because 
as much as I like routine, I also like switching my environment up every once in a while. So I also like kind of breaking that pattern of the stuff that I'm doing. So that's kind of why. I feel like you and I are very, very similar because when I took my business full time, I had to have a routine. I like my calendar. It was at 5 a.m. Go to the gym. 535 eat breakfast like it was so regimented and I had to do that because I was getting to those nights where it was just kind of haphazardly running a business I didn't really know what I was doing so I think that that's super important especially for those people that do thrive on a routine um as well as with the jumping and needing a new environment I'm also the same because sometimes I get bored and I'm like okay I'm ready for a new challenge like let's try something different so having a side hustle allows you you uh, allows you to do that all the time because you're technically in control but it's also important to that if you want to stay in a corporate career that you find one that kind of fosters that growth if you feel like that's something you need Yeah, because a lot of people like who I've talked to as well, who were in the corporate world and then took their business full time is like they were doing the same job, like eight hours a day, the exact same thing over and over and over again. And there wasn't a lot of room for growth. So sometimes I feel like when people are kind of apprehensive when I say, oh, yeah, I actually work coaching on the side because I have a full time job, like there are a lot of people who enjoy their full-time job and I'm one of those people and like I'm not in a desk doing the same thing every single day I mean I am at a desk but like I'm doing different things constantly like I don't have the same job in this organization that I had a year ago it's a completely different job so I find that that really helps me um, enjoy this job because I can do that and then I can come home and do my stuff with coaching and work with people and have that kind of experience, um, but still have a job that allows me to grow and expand. I do think that there are some people that thrive on kind of that repetition. For example, people that work in a factory and they do the same job every single day. Some people like that. And I think it's just really important that people find what makes them the happiest. There's a lot of people out there that think that it's the end all, the the end all be all being an entrepreneur, but they, they might not be. Like that might not be something that they enjoy. And there's this constant pressure to always be innovating and always be um, making more money. But nobody ever talks about those repetitive jobs. They always say, oh, they work in a factory or, oh, they, they just work on a line somewhere. But that is a career that people love and enjoy. It's just not for everybody. So it's just it's just really like figuring out your fit. And there's also this misconception that if you're passionate about something, you have to make money doing it. And I used to be a personal trainer. So I was really passionate about health and wellness, became a personal trainer, was personal training these other people, and then decided I hated it because I wasn't enjoying doing it myself anymore. So I took something I was passionate about, turned it into a career and ended up hating it. Oh, no. So there are like, 
not every hobby you have either has to be something you make money from. And I think that's, that's something that people often forget as well. Yeah. Like I, I kind of hate when people like, I don't hate it, but sometimes when you see entrepreneurs being like, Oh, I can't stand the nine to five lifestyle and that sucks. And like, Oh, like I am so much happier doing this. And like, I'm sure you are, but that doesn't mean that you need to shame people that enjoy the nine to five grind. Like I know that there's a lot of hate on it because there's a lot of things that aren't great about it. But um, a lot of people will like that. It suits their lifestyle. And a lot of people work is not their number one priority. They just want to have a job that is going to support their hobbies and their traveling and their family. And they just can go to work and they do all the things outside of work that they enjoy. I think entrepreneurs are a different breed because we actually get a lot of joy out of our work and that's why we do it. But um, a lot of people aren't like that. There are a lot of people that I talk to that kind of look at me and when I tell them I'm excited to work or they ask me what things I like to do in my spare time and I'm like, honestly, I love my job and I would do my job all the time. They look at me like I'm ridiculous. But when you found something that gets you fired up every day, you wake up in the morning and you're like, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no question. There, yeah. there isn't. And my ultimate goal is to just inspire as many people as possible to follow that yeah. and really lead with their intuition to get themselves in a career that they love, be it a nine to five or even a 4 p.m. to midnight. If you like afternoons, all the power to you. We need people in those jobs too. Yeah, I love that. Um, But yeah, so we need to kind of get away from judging people, like you said, for working a nine to five, because for some, that is their dream career. And if they're happy, like there's no reason for us to sit around and, and kind of judge that, you know? Not at all. I agree. So let's talk about where you see yourself in the next five years. So, oh my God, when, when you were like, okay, here are some of the like questions I'm going to ask. I was like, oh my God, I don't even like, know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can answer this question. But um, I truthfully, like, I really do see myself taking my coaching full time and running courses and group programs especially like I'm thinking like 10 years having like a team and doing of like having more of a like actual company but for this um it would be like coaching full-time and like having online courses and group programs because I really love the group program environment and I really um, enjoy like teaching in that regard. So I think running courses and stuff, I just know that online courses, like you know, because you did one, are, <laughs> are a lot of freaking work. So I'm like putting it off right now. But I know in my future, like that's really something that I want to commit to. If I leave my job in the next like five years, I might, but I don't know yet. And I actually like I said, like, I like the unknown, like, I like not knowing exactly where I'm going to be, because it's exciting. So I love that. Can you maybe explain the coaching a little bit so that people if they're listening, and they're interested in getting a coach, maybe walk through what you offer kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of the coaching with regards to group that I do is um, doing like exclusive 
groups where you go in and you watch the trainings that I've recorded um, on your own time. So again, I work full time. And the only time that I was able to work with a coach was through a group program specifically for um, people that have their business on the side. So I was able to like watch the trainings on my own time and really integrate that experience while still doing all the things that I needed to do for my personal life. Because a lot of group things that I've seen are people like you have to be on the calls every week and they're at a certain time and everybody's in different time zones. And I'm like, this wouldn't work for me. So it wouldn't work for my ideal client either. So, um, and it's a lot of like journaling, workbooks. It's a lot of really like integrative thought that works on your own time. So that's why I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy the group aspect too, because you get to meet different people doing different things. And there's like research behind, like when you see somebody else making a change, like you see yourself in their position. So sometimes with group coaching, when you see the changes or you see like the, almost like the possibilities in somebody else's life, you can see that for yourself. So that's why I really love group coaching as well. I love that. Um, so how would you define the term hustle? Oh gosh. Hustle for me, hustle for me is like, um, like consistency. So I thought about this and I was like, oh, sometimes I really hate the word hustle, but like for me, it's just consistency in doing whatever you're doing. It doesn't necessarily mean exerting yourself to the point where you're burnt out. It's really just being consistent in all areas that you want to succeed in. Because I feel like, especially as an entrepreneur, like if you're not consistent, you're going to fail. And as long as you're consistent and you keep showing up and you have that like resilience almost, you can't fail. I love that. On the last podcast episode I recorded, I talked a little bit about the burnout aspect of things and how there are certain influencers, I say quote unquote influencers out there that are preaching, basically working 18 hour days and then not really having a life. Yeah. So there's there's just like this misconception that you have to be go, 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 go all the time. And part of this podcast is kind of trying to reshape how people view that word, because I view it also very similarly to you. And we just kind of have to reclaim the definition a little bit because it has been given such a bad rap. I agree. So before we close off the episode, I like to do this thing called the rapid fire five, where I ask five random questions, no thought behind it. You just shoot out your, your answer. Oh my God. I'm so scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. Don't be scared. They're, they're really easy. Like no brainer. Okay. Okay. So your go-to beverage of choice. Water. Oh, good for you for staying hydrated. Oh, healthy. oh my God. No, <laughs> I'm trying to get healthier. So that just came to mind. Everyone's going to be like, um, no, Jill, you, that's not your first go-to, but I'm trying to be healthier with it. So, yeah. So what would your friends say is your first go-to? Um, I really like pop, like I like Coke, but like, I'm trying to like move away from it. So I'll just be like water, please. Okay. And if it's alcohol, it's a Caesar. 
Oh, so, excellent choice. Spicy yeah. or not spicy? Not spicy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your best advice that you've ever received? Um, oh God, that one's hard. I think it is just to like stay consistent is to like, um, as long as you keep showing up, you can't fail. So as long as you stay consistent on whatever you're doing, if it's like, um, if it's like a relationship that you know that you need to work on, or if it's like working on your business, just as long as you stay consistent with it, you can't fail. Love it. Your favorite activity. So something maybe you do after work or in your spare time. (laughs) I sound like such a nerd, but I really like reading. Like I really enjoy learning and reading. It's just my like, I read like absolutely everything. So I just really enjoy reading. That was a really nerdy response. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, no, we're not apologizing for being who we are. (laughs) What's your favorite genre of book? Um, right now it is personal development because I really just just like learning new things all the time that I can like implement into my coaching so love it Mm -hmm. uh if you could have any superpower what would it be I think it would be to read minds even though that would be really scary (laughs) I think being able to like understand what people are thinking because a lot of the time we constantly think that everything's about us when in reality if we were able to see what everyone else is thinking they're thinking about themselves just as much so I think that would be cool and lastly your favorite Instagrammer so someone that maybe you follow and you're like oh their content always speaks to me that kind of thing right now I really like um I think it's your life coach Alyssa or something or life coach Alyssa um, she's just really relatable and I love all the stuff that she puts out there. She kind of like documents pretty much her whole life and she's hilarious. So I really like her stuff. Good. I love that. So before we close off, why don't you tell the audience where they can find you if they want to connect? Yes, for sure. So on Instagram, I'm at Northern Resolutions. Um, the same thing for Facebook and I'm just drawing a blank and for my podcast it's called from foster to empowered so um yeah so that that's on itunes and it's on soundcloud and yeah at northern resolutions pretty much everywhere Perfect. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast episode with me. I know that the audience is going to gain so much value from everything that you've said. And hopefully we can kind of help conquer this imposter syndrome together. And if I hear anybody who I feel needs some guidance, I will be sure to direct them your way. Thank you so much. I had such a good time.